Hello and welcome back to State of Mind with me, Grace Kingswell. Today's guest is Women and Waves founder, Rachel Murphy. But before we get into that, I just want to take a minute to remind you about the sponsor of this episode, Davy J Waterwear. As you may or may not know, it depends if you listen to episode one with Laura Crane, the wonderful founder of Davy J, Helen, reached out to me on Instagram to say that she'd love to support me through my podcast, as her goal with Davy J is to build community around cold water swimming and support women that are promoting that connection and lifestyle that daily sea swims give us. I was so touched and thrilled that she got in contact, especially as I'm already a huge fan of the brand. Davy J is an amazing, small, sustainable brand based in Devon who designs swimwear for women who love the ocean and they celebrate and encourage everyone to explore the joy that water can bring all year round. All the pieces are designed for real women, they're flattering and have great coverage and all the suits are double lined so they're super thick and supportive. They're made from a really high quality recycled fabric and their styles are designed to survive a dive and stay on in the waves. And all their suits have been water tested for swimming, surfing, paddleboarding, water sports or simply just running around after the kids on the beach. I'm a huge fan of the thick fabric for winter swims and I've actually been wearing my Davy J's under my wetsuit for extra warmth on those cold winter surfs. It makes all the difference. I particularly love the super high-waisted set, which you'll have seen me sporting down at the beach in Aggie, because as a tall girl, I often find that swimsuits just ride up and get in all the wrong places. So this two-piece set that can be worn just like a swimsuit has been game-changing. Davy J are offering 10% off to all my listeners using the code STATEOFMIND in capital letters. So do make sure you visit their website, davyj.org, and follow along on their Instagram at davyjs for some epic lifestyle inspiration. So on to today's episode. Women and Waves is a female surf collective that offers weekend surf trips in the UK and longer immersive surf holidays in far sunnier and hotter climates. I was really keen to hear how Rachel's small surf club has grown into a global brand, most recently collaborating with H&M on a wetsuit and swimwear collection, growing a huge Instagram following and inspiring hundreds of women all around the world to join her girl gang and get into the water. I hope you enjoy the episode. So we are live and really excited to introduce a friend of mine, Rachel, to the podcast, the founder of Women and Waves. Hey, Rach. Hi, how's it going? It's good, thanks. So excited to talk to you. You still got wet hair from your surf this afternoon. I know. I literally uh, just hopped out and had a quick shower and jumped on, tried to look semi-presentable. But yeah, thank you for having me on. Amazing. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, So the first question I ask all my guests is, what has 2020 taught you so far? And I appreciate it's a big question for a lot of people. Well, for all of us. What? What a way to start. What has 2020 taught me? To wash my hands, probably, number one. (laughs) Um, um, Do you know what? 2020 was such an eye-opener because, like, having just sort of, like, a fairly new business that was in the making and then something that basically always runs on tourism and then to have COVID strike us and literally just be like, wow, okay, everything that you've just been working towards for the last year, you now have to stop. And like at the start, it was really like, oh God, like what are we going to do? Like, this is what we've been working towards and whatever. But for me, it was a really good time just to keep calm and think, okay, 
what what do we do what we can what can we do um mm. so I guess to summarize it up is to have contingency plans yeah I think that's probably the best thing is to have contingency plans and this year I really want to be um not flappable if that makes any sense but like you know when you get hit with something I don't want to like just constantly react I really like have learned to digest information and then come back when I've sort of had a think about it rather than just talking instantly Mm. if you know what I mean so I think Mm. 2020 for me was just like whatever's thrown my way is just like hold fire on that for a bit and I'll come back and I'll deal with it if you know what I mean yeah great just not to act instantly on reaction um so yeah I think yeah really good advice yeah, and it's like so calming, isn't it? Like when you hit someone who's super chilled. So let's talk a bit about that then. Obviously, your um, that was actually my phone going. Off. <laughs> I'm so bad. I'm always like with my guests, turn off your phone, put it on airplane mode. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Um, so your business is Women and Waves. Yeah. And I guess you know everyone probably listening to this podcast knows about Women and Waves and knows about your kind of public image and what you guys do, but. I'd love to just know a bit more about you and your life and what's led you to this point, what you did before, you know, why you founded the business and yeah, what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, cool. So I guess we'll head back to like when it first started, but like, I guess when I was younger, um, I, we live sort of just by the coast. So we like 20 minutes drive away, we're kind of like right in the countryside, but like 20 minutes towards the beach. So it was kind of like the thing to do every weekend after work was like to go after my parents finished work or whatever. My dad would like take us down to the beach and stuff. And I guess that's when I started seeing surfers and my dad would be like, Oh, I used to surf when I was younger. And I'd be like, cool, teach me. But he actually never did. But, um, I think that's sort of like, it just looked really cool when I was sort of like in my early teens, even younger, actually, I remember seeing it on TV and I used to tell my nan, I was like, nan, can you take me to Hawaii? For some reason, something must've got my attention when I was really young. Cause she was like, even at the age of like eight or nine, you were always like, Nan, take me to Hawaii. I want to go surfing. So I don't know what spiked it as a young kid, but I was pretty obsessed with anything surfing and definitely wore like a shell necklace and things like that from an early age. <laughs> Just like absolute little frother. But anyway, um, it wasn't until I was like, I did my work experience at a surf school in Polzef. So how old would I have been then? Like 14 Um, And from that, I started joining like Surf Life Saving Club. That was like a a weekly one and just spending loads of time down at the beach. Um, And then I hit my like typical rocky teenage stage where I think my mum was just like having none of me. And it was a sort of age when we were all having like house parties and stuff. And I ended up like pulling out of like my A-levels and everything. And I, um, I just didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't enjoy school um and I love the creative side but I just just wasn't really engaging in it and um all I wanted to do was like go to the beach and it was that sort of time when I just learned to drive and instead of going to school I could turn left to go to school I could turn right to go surfing and I'd go to that crossroads and I'd be like fuck it and just keep and go and go to the beach for the day um and my mom had a mental probably had a mental breakdown at that and she was quite strict on academic kind of lifestyle so she was kind of like look like what can we do what's going to interest you and what's going to keep you in education and um what had happened is my nan kind of got wind of me that this and she she actually found um a little newspaper clipping in a newspaper and it said um lifeguard courses and I was only 16 at the time that's the minimum age that you can do it and 
you know, she was like, why don't you go and train to be a lifeguard? You absolutely love all of that scene, you know, just give it a go and you love swimming and everything. So I was like, cool, I'm going to give it like my absolute all. And I did this like intensive course, which was like still to this day, I'm like, wow, that was so hard. Um, I did it and I absolutely loved it. But I think it was the only thing that I realized I loved so much. Like I could love learning so much. Whereas in my whole life of my school career, I, I had no interest in it whatsoever. But put me doing like first aid, learning about the sea, um, which I had the time when I took, when I started this course, I had no idea about. I had little ideas here and there, but not into that depth. Um, so I did this lifeguard course and I was like, that's it. I just want to like learn to be a lifeguard and you have to do quite a lot of training after you qualify. And um, I stayed in a caravan in Paul for a bit and started like basically um, wanted to kind of move down there for the summer and all this kind of stuff, but it didn't really work out. And so my mom was like, okay, no, you need to go back to education. Um, so I ended up enrolling in a water sports course in Falmouth. So I moved out and um, did that course and then did a summer season teaching abroad, te like instructing abroad um, in the south of France, which was really cool. Um, and then when I was 18, I was like, you know, back in Newquay, the summer season thing, it was okay, but you're kind of living in a tent and... I like my I like nice things and I was done living in like a little caravan in the forest to be honest so um I basically worked in another surf school um and sort of worked myself up the rankings from being an intern um who with my business partner today actually that's who surf school was Rob Barbers and then um yeah from there basically I was just in the mix of it if you know what I mean and ended up managing the center and I loved all the organizational stuff um, we opened up like a bodyboard shop as well. And then I was kind of working on that. And then um, after a few years there, I left the surf school because I wanted to get um, I wanted to get some more experience. So I dabbled in retail for a bit, surf retail. I was quite interested in surf shops and stuff. Realized that, that kind of wasn't for me. And then I moved into um, surf travel and then I moved on to luxury surf travel. And then after that, after doing a year in like, like sort of like high end surf trips, that sort of like Maldives boat trips, that kind of thing, um, I ended up feeling like there was a real gap in the market for what I would want to go to, like something that it was like super fun, the lovely comforts of like what I like and um, basically just like something really easy where it's a really good laugh and like super chilled at the same time like go and experience the country while you go there at the same time not just there for surfing like do day trips to go like horse riding along the beach or go to a spa or all that kind of stuff so that's kind of where Women Away sort of initiated and then I started a surf club uh that was my first step so I built this like we just started a little surf club just me and my mates going every Wednesday like a gym membership then um from then onwards um, it just grew and grew and grew. And that's sort of where it blossomed, really. Oh, wow. I had no idea you were such a rebel. <laughs> and the whole irony of this situation is that now you're married to a teacher. Now I'm married to a teacher. And I always say to him, anytime he's like having any trouble at school, I'm like, that was me as a kid. And it was just like, I hadn't found my path and what I was interested in. And it was, you know, like mm -hmm. you're in so much pressure to be like, you know, I had a sister who was doing really well. All my friends were all really bright. And I'm just there like getting dropped down in the set sitting next to people who like 
also had no interest and it just it's a bad sort of atmosphere to be in so I just sort of fell into those that group and I was just like this isn't where I want to be either so Mm. so was your surf club was it called women and waves from the get-go and if it wasn't where did the kind of very gender specific element begin I think it's because like it all just started from like me and my mates if you know what I mean so first of all it was just me and my friends which were all girlfriends and what it was is that I had so many friends or people like that because I had local friends and I had other friends that of friends and they'd all come down move to Cornwall and they had no ocean knowledge whatsoever and they were always like oh I wish I could get in the sea as much as you um like you're so like I was confident out there and all this kind of stuff because that's another story as well like I, I kind of lost my confidence when I was a lot younger and I kind of built it back 10 times stronger so then I just wasn't scared anymore and that was luckily due to my husband telling me a few different techniques um and I wanted to tell them like how they could get over there you know if they'd lost their confidence I'd be like just come out with me like we'll go for a body surf like let's just get the feel for the water first without having to put a board and just go and tip, dip your toes in like it doesn't have to be this big like oh, I'm going surfing like let's just jump in the sea have fun like you don't need to build up such a thing around it mm. um so I think that's where it all kind of started with just me and my mates so the gender thing kind of just came because it was just me and my girlfriends and it kind of stemmed and I felt like to be honest I there's a little part of me it's just like because when women go together it we, you just make a little force it's like if you and your mates all go out and surf in a like a girl the trio quad or whatever you'll kind of notice that not many people will kind of get involved within that group if you know what I mean no one's going to come and sit and pat, sit right in between mm. you guys because you guys are all kind of mingling whatever you almost build up a little bit of a a bubble around you so I felt like when you did, when I went seven with my friends, we just had a good laugh and I just didn't worry about anyone else around me. It was just kind of like you're in your unit. So it, it was really good. And another thing I noticed on the learning kind of way is that when people, when when girls are out surfing, when they see that someone else can surf, they're doing it. They might be like, oh, they're going out back. I can do that too. Oh, they're taking off on that steep wave. I can do that too. Mm. And it's almost a little bit of competitive. It's like a little bit more, like if you're a bit competitive, because you can see someone else is doing it, you might do it too. Mm. So there's a little bit of that as well. So when did Women and Waves turn from, go from a like surf club um, and you going out with your mates and like building this community essentially to what it is now, which is a thriving business. I mean, you've done collaborations with H&M, which is absolutely huge. I mean, at what stage did you kind of think, okay, maybe I need a business partner. Maybe I need investors. Maybe I like need a business plan. And how did you, how did you do all of that? How did you know what to do? It was a real sort of organic growth. Like the Surf Club got to a point where it was a really annoying, like I was kind of working another job at the same time and I couldn't kind of have it clashing. So, you know, it started to get busy and it was taking up a lot of time. So I was like, okay, how can I do it? But it not take all my weekdays up. Like, you know what I mean? All taking all these bookings and things like that. And I was like, you know, if this is going to be, the surf club wasn't really enough to pay the bills. So it was kind of like, okay, so what's going to work for everyone? And also invite other people to come and enjoy it. So that's where the weekends came in. Um, You know, in the first year, we only did a few weekends a year. Uh, we did a retreat it was all trial and error seeing what worked and what didn't and by um sort of 2019 I think we sort of lined up our calendar with one weekend and one weekend so each weekend it's it's sort of like in a little event um and then 
we sort of took on, we just sort of added more dates to the diary because we realized like, this is kind of really good. And um, it was working and there was a lot of demand. So I guess that naturally happened. And we just started putting systems in place and to the point where we had a lot of staff training and things like that. So the team could do it. I mean, it still now is a very, very small team. Um, a small team of like in the background, but obviously we have all our surf coaches who are an awesome little team there as well. But yeah, how did it get to this? God, I don't, I don't even know. It's kind of run before me. <laughs> like even as simple as like, where do you get all your surfboards from? How do you store them? Like, do you have an office? Do you have a warehouse? I think it's just so interesting to talk to someone that's actually built a business like this because most of us have, you know, we might have an idea, but we have no idea like how to actually execute it. And I just think it's fascinating how you've, you've managed to do it and how you are still such a small team? Yeah, well, um, it all started because I was working with um, the the SAS school that I worked for from when I was like 19. Uh, I'd always stayed in really good contact with um, Rob, who's now my business partner. So okay. I was like, hey, Rob, I don't suppose I could borrow some boards. I want to start a surf club. And he was like, yeah, sure. Sweet. Come by, grab it. And I was like, cool. So all of a sudden, that's that connection there. I'm using the surfboards and blah, blah, blah. And also like we can fall under, at the time we were falling under the insurance and all those sort of technical things. Um, and then later on down the line, we went in business together because it was, you know, at the time I couldn't afford to have it under the Woman Waves name. Is in like, it was, there's so much you have to think about, you know, insurances and permits and things like that. And that's how I was just like, look, I, this is too much beyond my head for it to go big legally, if you know what I mean. Mm. So going in with um, my business partner, Rob, who had all that with the surf school, we connected, we put both our brains together and it met, meant that we could um, we could use the beaches that we wanted to, we could, um, I'd have more equipment access to and stuff. And so that was sort of like the first kind of... Um, you know, year or so, we were sort of still using very much the surf school at the time. However, as the years went by, and we started making some money and things, all that money has just gone back into the business. And, you know, we worked so hard to be able to buy our own range of boards. And, you know, we've just done it in dribs and drabs. If someone's, you know, selling a couple of really good boards, we're like, all right, those are good, they're good value. Oh, those wetsuits, perfect. They'll be great. You know, anyone's donating nice new wetsuits. Like, you know, even I've donated my own old ones. It's still, um, you know, it's been a really, I guess you could say fast, but for me, it's been like a real slow sort of like, it's crazy. The other day, um, we actually just had like an overall sort of meeting today about we've we've had a good solid year now for our first solid year, if you know what I mean, full of events. And we looked at um, the sort of overview and I was like, wow, we've, we've got like a whole fleet of boards now before we were like hiring them from here, running down to the surf shop last minute being like, can we borrow some of this? Can we borrow that? And so now just to have almost our full range mm. of like having boards and stuff. And we've also like, you know, we used to work out of like really dodgy, not dodgy, just small stinky rooms and things that we could afford at the time, like little venue rooms to do our video analysis and stuff. And now we've been able to get a proper venue and even down to like before we used to we could we now have like all gopros and things and just constantly thinking what makes the experience better for the customer constantly referring back to that being like okay them having video footage gopro footage is so good like they take it home they show their friends they learn from it great so we're investing in gopros because that's making the business better mm. um 
so yeah it's constantly sort of referring back to like the customer's journey as well to see what what are we missing constantly Mm. um so yeah the first skill obviously a couple years are hard (laughs) yeah definitely it's really impressive how did the H&M collaboration happen did they approach you yeah so I took a little year out in Australia as you know and um it wasn't out of the business I was still running women always from abroad um but it was when I was out there that H&M got in touch and um I actually, I was actually, it's funny enough, I actually came out on, I was actually on a night out, very rare occasion for me nowadays, but yeah, I was on a night out, I came in, I sort of flipped through my emails, um, slightly tipsy, and I saw this, like literally a two sentence email from H&M, and I of course didn't believe it, I was like, hmm, that sounds a bit dodge, Mm. Um, so I just kind of palmed it off and didn't think about it, and it wasn't until like the next day, I sort of like hung overly like slammed down at my laptop the next day, and I was like, oh, yeah, what's that H&M thing? And then I sort of did a little LinkedIn thing. And I thought, oh, it's probably nothing. Like, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, okay. So I was like, oh, right, they are from H&M. Okay. And then um, they wanted a Skype pretty instantly. And I was like, yeah, I'm up for a Skype. Um, and then they were like, okay, how does tomorrow sound? And I'm like, well, okay, that's fast. But okay, like, you know. Um, and they were literally just came straight out saying, we want to do a full sustainable swimwear collection with you guys, work on it and it be surfwear, so it needs to be surf, um, suitable for surfing. And, you know, we just basically put our brains together of what we wanted the collection to represent. And, yeah, it just went from there. It was just a... That was like a whirlwind because... That's huge. We had to go to Stockholm and everything to to look at it. And, yeah, it was, an, it was amazing. It was really cool. That is amazing. And did you design all the pieces yourself or did you kind of do that in collaboration with them? Yeah, we definitely did it in collaboration with them. They had their ideas as in, like, they know what's really great for their market and we obviously know what's really great for surfing. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely sent them, like, images and stuff of things that I really liked and what I don't like and... They took absolutely everything on board. When we went to Stockholm there, we were in a meeting room and there's a model trying on all the um, on all the gear. And for example, some of the bottoms were quite skimpy. And I was just like, people, they will instantly go up your bum when you're surfing. And it's just something you just don't want to be conscious of. Mm. So they were like, okay, cool. Let's bring that hemline down to here. Let's do that. And then we were like looking at zips and all the mm. zips had to be like saltwater tested and yeah it was pretty insane really how much input or our input they just put right into the collection but like from the first draft of the collection it's changed so much to the end result um their team is incredible like they work really well and they were just really up for they were all really excited about it as well so and there was a lot of surfers over there and uh, quite mm. a few of the designer teams were really into surfing so yeah it was a good team and um it was just amazing how they even down to the sustainability they were so strict on it being so sustainable um there was a lot of like ticks and crosses like lots of boxes to tick basically for it to mm. be able to claim sustainable yeah. and they definitely made sure of that so yeah it was an amazing opportunity really cool i wanted to ask you about diversity in mm. the surf community um because obviously the most most of the images that we see online are of um, white women um, in bikinis, like a great set of abs, um, and you know surfing is for everyone. And um, there are so many people these days promoting that kind of diversity within the surf community, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like Surf Girl Mag, I know, um, are really good for that. 
how like what's your view at women and waves and how do you promote diversity within the surf world especially for women yeah good question i think you know as we say surfing is for absolutely everyone um we really love seeing like there's a surf group in um sri lanka that all the like the sri lankans go and surf and everything as well and you know for us we don't go out there and promote diversity out there whatever comes our way we're happy to share it it's it's to be honest it never because I feel like it's always there like you know when we go to El Salvador and stuff there's people of color who's co-surfing there next to us and everything like that and I just feel like it's not something that we it's not our main focus because it's there anyway you know what I mean I don't even double blink it like we have ladies Mm. of all backgrounds come and join us and it's it's awesome but I just I don't ever double Mm. I don't really question it I don't really think about it I just think yeah, I guess it's it's kind of a hard one to say. Mm. I just don't feel like it comes onto my radar enough to feel like it's it's just for white people that come, if you know what I mean. Because we do have quite a mix that join us. Yeah. So yeah. especially, yeah, last year it's gotten... What do you think about the, like, the gender split between, like, within surfing? Like, the fact that when it's a, when it's like a... I mean, to extent this is, to an extent this is changing, but obviously... A lot of the time when we see an image of a woman surfing, it's quite sexualized. And then you see an image of a men of a man surfing and it's like all about the technique and, you know, and anything that's like written about it is more geared towards surfing as a sport rather than surfing as an opportunity to wear a bikini. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Say that again. Say so. So I was just thinking about how, you know, quite often when we see images to do with female surfers quite a lot of the time they Mm. might be out of the water they might be posing with their board and you'd never get that in the kind of male surf community it's more about the technique and and the you know surfing as a sport rather than an opportunity to look great in a bikini yeah I'd actually say that a lot of the brands have really stepped away from that bikini vibe because there are so many incredible surfers that are really coming up and coming and like doing massive turns airs like you know that they're they're up there with the guys and especially with the equality with like on the WSL now like the women are now getting the same um prize pay the prize pay and I think stepping away that posingness is definitely um stepping away because I think they get such a backlash when they do do it if you know what I mean I feel like they you know they really get slated Mm. for it Mm. um you know and there are you know there are a bunch of um a few of the girls on some of the, say, for example, on the Billabong team or Roxy, whatever, that do pose with bikinis on because they are beautiful and they are models, but they can definitely ride a board so well at the same time because they use riders as well. And um, yeah. I think it's a really hard industry yeah. if they put themselves as a surfer. It's probably quite a hard industry to live off. So if modelling sits beside their surfing, I think that goes really well mm. hand in hand. And yeah, I think... I think it's done a lot more tastefully now for females. Um, I do definitely know what you're mm. saying. Like it, mm. it, it definitely used to be back there, especially like 10 years ago, it used to just be women in bikinis. But now like, I think the, mm. the, the major surf brands are really supporting, the girls are absolutely shredding now and they're not, you know, it's great. To, they keep showing that because it is great yeah. that they are. Um, so I want to ask you a really basic lifestyle question what is or what does a day in the life look like for the founder of women and waves what do you get up to (laughs) 
I'm such a snore, which is why it's like really embarrassing. I love simple things. So my morning is generally, I wake up, I have a good old stretch because, you know, I'm getting old now. But basically, I just... As if. What I'm uh, really focusing on at the moment is mobility because I'm really... I want to keep mobile for surfing and mm. I've realized the last over the last year or so I really stiffened up because I took I was running heaps and I was like if you don't balance it out you just get like my hamstrings and stuff are just you know, awful so I'm just like I really yeah, need to I take care feeling. of my mobility because I'm noticing it more you know I'm thinking god actually could I have surfed better if I was more um flexible and more, had more mobility and the answer is yes so I'm really focusing on mobility at the moment so mm. in the mornings I do like a bit of that. Having said that though my husband yes. who you know um, and I don't know if yours is the same but like my husband cannot touch his toes he is terrible at downward dog he's like super inflexible and he doesn't stretch or like do anything and he just absolutely shreds on a surfboard and I feel like maybe that's because I don't know if it's like because he's surfed since he was super young and it's just so like surfing mobility is so ingrained in his like body patterns. But I'm the same as you. If I don't stretch, I just I'm useless. I just think like it's all about muscle memory with surfing. So if you're not in those positions, like every time is going to feel like the Mm. first time going into it. So I'm just trying to like constantly build muscle in these sort of awkward positions or not even awkward, but like in these places that I don't really haven't really... I just, I, I just feel like it will hopefully, hopefully um, just help me in my own surfing as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I wake up and I do a stretch. I then go and take my morning, my dog out for a walk. So I normally get out of the house for seven o'clock. Um, so I wake up at six, seven o'clock. I'm normally out of the house. Um, if it's high tide, I normally jump in for a swim with her. She loves swimming. So I go and take her for a little swim and we just jump in at the harbour or we do a nice little walk around um, the headland. And then I will come back and pretty much start work um, for sort of eight. What about breakfast, Rach? Oh, uh, so you'd probably hate this because I actually don't eat my first meal until 12 o'clock. Oh, you're fasting. Yeah. I, I, I tend to fast and I just like it because I just focus really well um, until 12 o'clock and I have my breakfast um, and then I hopefully get in a surf at some point of the day if there is surf. I was saying to you the other day, I tend to always arrange my meetings around high tide because I know then that's the less chance that they'll be, I'll need to surf. Um, so I try and schedule my day around having a little window to get out. Um, and then... Yeah, after sort of around four o'clock at the moment, because it's like winter, I'll then go take my dog for another walk. Um, my husband's normally home and then we have dinner. Then normally it's almost like a veg out and watch some series on Netflix and I go to bed, read. And it's I, I honestly, I love simple pleasures. I hate anything too crazy in a day. I really love routine. Um, I've probably had the same breakfast for the last mm. 10 years. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Please, can you tell us what your breakfast is? Um, it is um, it's a bowl of porridge with a teaspoon of peanut butter, teaspoon of honey, chia seeds, flax seeds, and banana and some blueberries. Nice. It's yeah. It's it's a pretty. It's a. It's a. It's um because it's like my lunch, so I love it. It's like 
Yeah. And your your husband's quite um involved, let's say, in your daily intake of food and nutrients, isn't he? He's the one that reminds you to like eat your greens and like take your supplements and Oh my god, yes. So I had some blood tests not long ago, uh, over a year ago, and it turned out that I, um, and the weird was, it wasn't because I was tired. I had no symptoms of it whatsoever, but I came out that I was really heavily anemic. So after that, it was like, right. And you just turned on to like Mr. Health Food Doctor. And so now he's very on to like making sure my iron levels are all up and everything like that. So yes, he's um, really into sort of like supplements and eating well and uh things like that so yeah I'm quite lazy on that half I'm just sort of like I'll wake up and there'll be like the certain uh vitamins to have or a meager thing to have or something each day so yeah him and I have secret um Instagram DM chats about like really wanky health stuff that's hilarious because I actually saw him messaging you the other day <laughs> like we'll like send each other screenshots of supplements and like talk about yeah. like because you guys are both vegan it's like I get and like when my friends are vegan I get really nervous for them because I know that it's like quite difficult to be a healthy vegan but um you're in very safe hands with um your husband because he's like on top of it <laughs> <laughs> that's really good to know because the other day I, I, that's really funny because the other day um he was about to message you about something and I said Warwick when you talk about being a vegan towards someone who's not it's almost like talking about politics with friends you know when you're just like don't go there. And I was like, Grace is, um, you know, you're a nutritional therapist. I was like, she knows her stuff. Don't, if you're, because he feels like he knows his stuff. And I was like, don't ruin a beautiful friendship there because of his mm. ego. <laughs> so. No. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm always so open for discussion. And like, you know, just because I'm a nutritional therapist doesn't mean that you know, he's not really clued up and, you know, you can learn so much just yourself by researching. And every time we've spoken about things and supplementation and like different forms of things to have if you're vegan, like he knows his stuff. So tell him to get in touch. I love talking about that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. See, for me, I'm just kind of like, I really, I I can read my body pretty well. Like I, I know when something's not quite right. Like for example, last week, uh, the week before I surfed every day for seven days, and I was exercising loads, like doing loads of runs. And I don't know why, I just must have just burnt myself out. And I just knew that something, I was low on something, if you know what I mean. And um, me and Warwick were starting to think, mm. I was like, actually, have I taken my like my daily greens and things like that week? And I was like, no, I've been really on and off. And I just, you know, when your body just craves something. And literally after a few days of constantly having the good stuff back mm. in me, um, I was feeling back to normal again. But I'm pretty good at realizing when something's not quite up, like not quite right. Um, you know, it can even be down to like focus, like my eyes focusing or something like that or getting irritable legs or something. I'm just kind of always a bit like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, you just notice your patterns, don't you? And because I'm so routine, I kind of like, yeah, yeah, I pick up on things. And what has lockdown been like for you guys? I know it's just been a tough time for everyone, but um yeah, what's it been like for you? Do you know what? Like, so the first lockdown, what my husband was still in Australia. So I had lockdown all to myself. But in that lockdown, it was the most productive lockdown I've ever had. Well, only lockdown I've ever had in my life. But I also like, I was like, I've got all this time that I will never have again. 
So we built the website. We worked so hard. I worked so hard on just creating like Women on Waves. I was like, you know, that was my focus and I just focused all my energy into it. Now this one's been a little bit different. Warwick's home, so I'm not by myself anymore. Um, and I feel so lucky because we've got Nuki on our doorstep and, you know, we've go to the beach and the surf's been amazing all November. Um, so for me, I always say like, we've had to cancel like five events and I'm heartbroken to do that because I absolutely love running them and it's so good. It's always such good vibes, but it was also a really good time because we've had such a busy season. It's just been absolutely mental. It's really good to step back and be like, okay, let's, let's have a look again. Like, let's have an overview of the whole business and remember what we were on track for before and, you know, start measuring things and just getting back on top and refocused really. So that was what lockdown's been for me and also gets me really excited for the future as well, because we're constantly sort of like inputting more bits and bobs here and there and focusing on like new courses and what else are we going to be doing and stuff. So yeah, it was a good, it's a good time for me to like refocus, but to be honest, Mm. I've just surfed heaps because we've had a bit of a breather from having constant like, yeah haven't been on like a a time a to, it's like a stopwatch almost because we've got events normally most weekends so mm. this week it's been quite nice to sort of just step back and sort of think okay I don't have to be on like deadline all the time <laughs> yeah nice um mm. okay so here's a question if you had to give up surfing right like there's no like you can't you just have to give it up right um what would you replace it with oh, in your life good question so I, I can't do any water activity or, um, I could, or is it just like yeah because that's I'd prefer you not yeah. to just for the purpose of the question but I guess I guess I was just asking about surfing so yeah maybe um so if I had to give up all water well the last couple of years ago like you can't just say bodyboarding yeah, okay. Rach, but like you could say swimming or something okay for example. I think I would love to, I'd love to be a really good body surfer or I'd like to get into surf photography. Um, mm. If you know what I mean, I'd love to be good at surf photography. When I was younger, that's what I wanted to be a surf photographer. That's all I, that's, that's what was my first, like, you know, when you write in your end of year book, yeah. I wanted to be a surf photographer in wavelength, which was really hilarious at, at the time. That's what I wrote in my end of like when I was like 15. Um, so I think that was, that would always be really cool. But I think I've just sort of like, gone away from that i also do love a good game of squash oh nice yeah actually you once asked me if i played squash didn't you and it was like a categorical no (laughs) Uh, i won't be coming to play Um, squash with you so yeah i don't i don't know what else i would do if it wasn't surfing i don't know like everyone's got into climbing lately maybe i would have got into that but i don't like heights yeah i'm not i'm not sure um free diving would be quite cool i think bodyboarding is a good one yeah yeah I just thought it was an interesting question yeah. because your whole life is geared around surfing, isn't it? And it's what you're super passionate about. And I always think like, if that all came crumbling down, you know, what would we replace it with? How would we find our happiness? Like, what would we do to kind of ground us and center us? So, um, photography. Yeah. And I nice. also love interiors. Like I love, I, I really have such, um, you know, one of those things that just makes you warm and fuzzy inside when you look through really like good images of good interiors and things like that so I've got Mm. you know like um sort of fashion and interiors I've definitely got a big passion in what like that as well so um Mm. yeah maybe that would that would have could have been a thing I'd be into as well might fill a hole yeah um okay so 
yeah, I think I think that's it. This has been such a lovely chat. And what I hope it's done is given everyone who loves women and waves and appreciates everything you do with regards to, you know, building that community for women around surfing, a little insight into what it has been like to found the business and, you know, the, the difficulties you face along the way and the intricacies of actually running a business and you know, all of these things. So thank you so much for being a guest. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I have to just ask you my final question that I ask all my guests, which yes. is what does state of mind mean to you? So that's generally um, whether you're in a good state of mind or a bad state of mind, right? It's however, literally however you want to interpret it. So funnily enough, I've actually been reading um, this book and it's all about like giving off like the law of vibration. Mm-hmm. And the more I understand it, the more I'm like, that is so true. And it's like, if someone gives off, if you're giving off a good vibration, most people will feel that around you. Whereas if you're with someone who's in a bad mood, you will Mm. still sort of, it could alter your mood or it could make you feel uncomfortable and that then would ruin someone else's mood. You know what I mean? So I think for me, it's always kind of like, I hate to say it, but it's always just kind of having like a really steady, positive unflappable state mm, unflappable unflappable Your favorite words my favorite <laughs> 2021 rachel's gonna be unflappable cool and collective <laughs> i love it um rach thanks so much for coming on this has been absolutely lovely thanks so much grace i'll see you soon Thank you so much again for tuning in to State of Mind. Don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app and leave a review if you're new here. Just a reminder that Davy J are offering 10% off swimwear with the code STATEOFMIND at davyj.org. Bye-bye.